Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. How is life treating you these days? Why do you ask me that every single because week, Because I got Nadia? it. I, I'm trying to be friendly. How is life treating <laughs> Okay, I know the no, answer. you're going to have major breakdown. Oh, God, no. Anyway, Nadia, we're not alone today. We have two special guests, and who are they? I'm Rebecca Valentine. I think I've been here before. Yes. What was the last time you were on the show, though? I was on for your, oh, I, I don't remember the name of the series. This is very embarrassing, but um, you did Skies of Arcadia. The very first Pantheon. I thought I had had you on this show for a different episode, but I guess not. Welcome back for a real episode. Thanks. Yeah. And who else? And I am Imran Khan. Hello. Hello, Imran. Is this your first time? This is my first time, as far as I can recall. Yeah, I can't remember anymore because we've done like 500 of, of these episodes at this point. So, Also, like I know all of you individually, so I, I at this point have a difficult time <laughs> when we're talking about RPGs versus when we're actually podcasting about RPGs. Like that is a <laughs> difficult thing to discern. It well, all kind of congulates into one glob of discussion. Every, every <laughs> conversation with any of us is just its own RPG podcast. It really yes. is. Well, we have Reb and Imran on here because they reviewed The World Ends With You, Neo, Neo, The World Ends With You, for Fanbyte and IGN, respectively. So we're really excited to have them on here to talk about the game for our review roundtable. There will not be spoilers in this one, which I'm told is going to be somewhat difficult because there's a lot of stuff to talk around. So we're going to get to that in just a second. But before we get to that, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot, Nadia is at Nadia Oxford, and Axe of the Blood God is at Blood God Pod. If you enjoy the show, please do us a favor and leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. And of course, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod, where we have lots of premium episodes, including our Pantheon episode, which is going up in just two days. We have special guest Shane Bettenhausen on to talk about Fantasy Star Nadia. That was a very fun episode. That was a fun episode. And uh, I've realized that Shane is extremely passionate about Fantasy Star, <laughs> and I, re- I respect him for that. You salute. both bullied me. I felt bullied in that episode. <laughs> we made good points, though, you have to admit. You d- yeah, by making <laughs> good points, you bullied me. You bullied me I'm with sorry. your good points. I'd say we try harder next time, but you know we won't. And of course, Reb, where can we find you? And also, please promote some things. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Duck Valentine, and you can find my work at IGN.com. I used to do a podcast, but that's on hiatus right now, so I don't actually have that much else to promote. It was a food podcast about art video games. This I know. <laughs> it, I want to bring it back. I, I have to move cross-country, and it turns out that requires a lot of work, so uh, spending multiple nights uh, cooking and podcasting was not in the cards. But uh, if you want to go listen to old episodes, it's on Twitter at Cozy with Kitchen. So. And Imran, also please tell us where to find you and also please promote some things. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ImranZOMG. I occasionally take control of the Fanbyte social media account at Fanbyte Media. And it's you will know it's me because it's the ones I will retweet. And that's because I think they're funny and I need them to get more exposure. Uh, you can find my writing at Fanbyte.com associated with that Fanbyte Media Twitter account. And uh, I am... Occasionally on podcasts there, I just did a podcast this morning called 99 Potions, wherein we pointedly did not talk about uh, Neo, The World Ends With You. So there's no redundancy there if you want to listen to that. Hey, we hey. did talk about the time I tried to buy the River City Ransom IP from some guy. What? 
I, I'm assuming that didn't go so well because I would love you to have it. At some point during the negotiations, Atlas put out a game and that re- made things very confusing. You're telling oh, wow. me the story later. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> well, Fanbyte are some of my absolute favorite people. We had Steven Strom on the show not too long ago. I don't think we've had Natalie on, though, and we really have to change I that. I we have, but I, I've actually had some of my writing on Fanbyte lately, too, and mm. I'm kind of mixed up on what I've done lately. But yeah, I'm definitely doing stuff for Fanbyte. So uh, keep an eye out because there is stuff going up from me over there. Nadia, if any site matches your kind of perspective or personality, it's probably Fanbyte. Mm. Yeah, I didn't really have any problems fitting in there, to be honest with you. <laughs> you're you're special. You're a special diamond, Nadia. <laughs> a diamond in the rough of swords. I'm mostly glass, though. Kind of cubic zirconia. And the last item, we are just now getting to the end of this as of the release of this episode, but we're currently in the process of voting for the Pantheon for September. That would be the episode that ends up launching in September. And this month's theme is Indie RPGs. And here are the four games, Reseteer and Item Shop's Tale, Undertale, Disco Elysium, and Stardew Valley. Four amazing games that I would be very excited to talk about on the podcast. Have either of you, Reb, Imran, played any of these games? I think I've played all of them in, in, to some extent. I don't think I ever like, finished with it here, for example. Which one would you vote for? Undertale, easily. Mm. I think I would, too. I'm actually hoping Undertale. Like th- Those are all great games, but I'm hoping Undertale runs away with it because I know that game inside out. So I'd love an excuse to just kind of <laughs> go through it I could just take again. a break and not have to talk about it. Reb, what about yeah. you? Yeah, Undertale's the obvious choice. It's like one of my top 10 games of all time. Exactly. Possibly the top five, depending on the day. It's like incredible. Um, I love Stardew Valley too. Uh, Reseteer, I have played like a small amount of. I uh, didn't finish it. And Disco Elysium is on my list of things that I need to play. Like it's it's high up there. Like that that is a game I am going to get to. Like come hell or high water, I'm going to do it. But I have, I have not yet, but I've only heard good things. I'm going to make a bet. So as of like, I'm recording right now and I have not literally not actually posted the poll yet. So I don't know what the actual results are, but I'm going to go and bet that Stardew Valley or mm. no, sorry, it's going to be rested here. That's going to be the one that gets. That's int- I don't even know anything about that game, which is it's our very discord's weird. They're going to pick the weird one, Nadia. <laughs> They're different. That's why they we are. love them. They're all special. But I personally plan to vote for Stardew Valley just to be contrarian. And also because, hey, it's an amazing game that I know a lot about. Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy with Stardew Valley, too, because I know that game inside out as well. I was saying the other day how it has probably the best fishing of any RPG besides, um, what was it I gave it to? Breath of Fire 3. Yeah, so I'm good Very specific reference there. Very specific. I'm very picky about my my fishing games, Kat. We all know this. You can get Concerned Ape on the show to talk about it, too. That would be great. Let's hope we can do that. Get an actual creator on to talk about their game. Yeah, I'd like that. All right. Let's continue on to what we are playing, our sacrifice to the blood god. And Reb and Imran, you are our special guests. So I'm curious to know what you are playing besides Neo, The World Ends With You. We'll start with you, Reb. <laughs> oh so, boy, uh, she's a laughing. Fu- a funny, no, a funny thing happened where Imran and my stories are actually going to coincide here. Uh, so he was, he, we're... Haha, we're dating. Uh, he was what? out here. You're in dating? Kansas- Are you kidding <laughs> me? Uh, he's out here in, in Kansas City, uh, where I'm based, uh, just this last week. And I we we were both so as 
we were both re- reviewing you know the world is view at the same time trying really hard not to talk to each other about it so it influenced each other uh-huh. um but then at the end of that like the last couple of days he was here our reviews were turned in and so i started playing uh east nine monster knox which i actually oh, yeah. i loved lacrimosa of donna like i loved it a lot it was my introduction to the east series and i was kind of like waiting to see like what the reviews were going to say on monster knox and i actually read your review nadia uh Heck yes. for, for ign and you sold me on it. i was like yes but i had to wait for the switch version to come out because i don't own a sony um, and it came out, and so I started playing it, and uh, it's uh, it's definitely one of those games that, like, it, it had kind of a slow start. Uh, I have, like, a million things that I want to point at and be like, this is not so good, but I can't stop playing it. Uh, You're just... also playing on the Switch, which I don't know how the game runs on the Switch. I know not that. Not great. Not good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but the, this will seg nicely into Imran's thing because Imran has never played a, a yeast game before, uh, and he was watching me play this, and also with me pointing out, "Wow, look at that! Look how janky that is! Look how badly that's running! Look look how terrible that looks!" And then like about about two days in, he's like, "So should I play a yeast game? <laughs> Which one should <laughs> yes, I play? Should. should I should I play eight? Should I play nine? And so he'll he'll tell you he's playing eight, I'm sure. But yeah, I'm playing yeast nine. I'm also playing uh, Death's Door now uh, on PC, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal beautiful uh weird like dark souls vibes but also like very generous and like cozy and calming in a way that you don't expect from a game that just splats the word death in all capital letters death. uh on your screen whenever you it's die it's so cute for a game named death store really yeah you're, yeah. you're a very yeah. cute crow the art is gorgeous like, melancholy piano like arpeggios going on while you're running around like i it's so it's at odds with itself on purpose and i i love that so much um but the, those are the two things mainly flipping it's like fantasy noir too. which is interesting yeah, yeah. like one moment yeah. you're in this kind of exploring a castle as a crow with a lightsaber and the next year in like 1920s noir with a smoky lounge and i'm like what is going on here i don't know i'm just gonna roll with it yeah, it's uh, it's it's really nice too in in the ways it like sort of transitions between like having these you know very challenging combat sequences, but then there's areas where there's just no enemies at all, and you're just doing nice little puzzles and like organizing and you know slashing and shooting things around. It's very nice. And then if you die, like it feels like one of those things that's going to be very punishing and hurt you, but then it just you don't lose anything. You just get set back to your checkpoint, and your puzzles are still done, and you just run back to where you were, and you just do it again. It's it's just so pleasant. It's nice to you. I don't, I don't, I, I keep wanting it to be mean to me. I'm like hoarding all of my little Healy seeds. Like, okay, you're going to take them all. Something horrible is going to happen. No, it's just like, it's okay. Heal yourself. You're fine. You're doing great. It's Dark Souls, but nice. Yeah. It's yeah. Nice Dark Souls. Dark Souls nice. <laughs> it gives me a real eco kind of vibe in some ways, maybe because yeah. of mm, but- the perspective. It definitely feels like a nicer Hollow Knight in a lot of ways. It doesn't it does. quite have the same ramp up Hollow Knight did, which is, you know, that's part of the reason I like that game. But it it feels like they from the developers of Titan Souls, they went, what if we use some of what we learned, but also get in, are influenced a bit more by like uh, Hollow Knight and Zelda and games of that ilk? Yeah, it's definitely going to keep getting bigger, I think, especially once it makes it over to console. You, you wait. It might yeah. be the next Hollow Knight. Yeah. Imran, what about you? Uh, as Red mentioned, I watched her play Ease Nine. I was like, "This looks okay." I, like a lot of it's going to come down to game feels. I kind of wonder, like, when I was in Kansas City, I didn't. I years ago, someone at Nippon Ichi just sort of handed me a Ease Eight like limited edition, and I was oh, like, "All sweet. right, cool." So like, I have this box that has been sitting in my apartment for four years, four or five years. I'm like, "Okay, well, what do I do with this thing?" And I never, I never really had any desire to play the game, so I just kind of sat there. So it's like, okay. I guess I own East 8. Watching Reb play it has been cool. I'll go home and play it. 
I come home, I open that box, and it turns out it's one of those limited editions that does not have the game. Oh so, no. <laughs> so like I was very I very excitedly took out the steel box, I like, opened it up, it's like, this is empty. Oh, okay. So this figured, bitch empty. Yeah. So I figured, okay, I I'll just buy the game. What the hell? I, why not? I go to PSN, 60 bucks, seems like a lot, but okay, I'll buy it. Literally minutes as I'm downloading the game, it's like finishing up the download literally minutes after it goes on sale on switch for $19 like <laughs> of course okay, it does yeah, yeah great whatever so now I'm, I'm sitting there playing so I can make some content out of it so I can build <laughs> Papa Tencent but like it, it's it's an interesting game in that I don't I can't tell you I can't contextualize what exactly about it is gripping or compelling yes yes this but it 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 it's good. It like it keeps me playing. Like I played most of the day today. I'm just being like, all right, I'm just gonna keep exploring this island and keep like mapping out this because apparently Adol is the world's best cartographer, even though his maps, in my opinion, not that useful. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. like I'm, I'm continuing to play, and I just keep wanting to find. Like I got a character who is like dressed in all black, and like I was like, you're suspicious. He's like, yeah, I am. He's like, so I've been calling him Final Fantasy McDark Edge for the last like hour or so but like it's it's such a cool little game and it's like it's reminding me that we don't have ps2 nostalgia yet and we should really get to the we we are further yourself man there's (laughs) definitely ps2 nostalgia out there as a society and as like an indie market force we're not yet at Mm. ps2 nostalgia. Mm -hmm. oh i see like people who are specifically going out and trying to remake ps2 games right Mm -hmm. we've hit that with ps1 for yes. some reason, we're not there with PS. Like we are, we were already doing like NES style things, further away or closer to the NES than we are with the PS2. So I'm now I'm kind of like looking at ease, being like, okay, so you're PS2 nostalgia, but when's everyone else going to get to it? I yeah. think I have a theory on that actually, and that is that PS2. I've always said that PS2, Xbox, GameCube inaugurated the current era of video games, and so mm-hmm. a PS2 game is a lot closer to a PS4 or PS5 game than, say, an NES game. And so it doesn't hit quite as hard, even compared to an N64 game, which has the jank, a certain degree oh, of yes. wonderful jank. Yeah, I think when we when we do eventually get to the idea of PS2 nostalgia again, it's going to be like, oh, this is what THQ games kind of felt like in the 360 era. <laughs> oh, boy. Can't of wait. Like, they, they kind of... They exist in a double A space, but aren't really double A. They're like intentionally double A. And that's going to feel, it's going to be a lot of really bad games trying to figure out what that means. Mm. Oh boy. I have to say, uh, as a reviewer of Ease 9, any Switch review is null and void. I do not take any responsibility (laughs) for that. Uh, I will say Ease 9, yes, it has a slower start, but once it gets moving, and especially if you're playing on a platform that doesn't suck, I think that the, I mean, I love the Switch, don't get me wrong, but I know that Ease Ease 8 did not run well on the Switch. So, Imran, you you skipped a, uh, you know, you, you probably skipped a pitfall by getting it. What did you get it on the PS4? Or? I got it on PS4, playing it on PS5 backwards. Yeah, so you're probably okay. Um, because the real fun of Ease 9 is zipping around everywhere. And that's mm-hmm. had a certain sense of speed that I really loved. I love the characters. I liked White Cat. I thought she was adorable. Krisha, I think her name was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she was great. But yeah, once you get started and once you really start zipping around and gliding and stuff like that, it's a real fun game. And hopefully it's optimized properly for the Switch because I love Falcom, but they tend to be hit or miss with with, uh, with optimizing their games for the Switch. Cold Steel is fine. Ease mm. uh, needs some work, but yeah. um, it, it'll, it'll get there. It's really not. I mean, it's, it's bad on Switch. But the thing about it is I'm the kind of person who like, 
can I, I can get over it. Like I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Like I've I'm, I've posted clips of like stupid completely not like just stupid bugs that don't matter like there's a thing where because you have a party of three like you're controlling one of them the other two are following you yeah there's a, there's a stupid bug that i have seen like seven or eight times now it just happens constantly um where when i switch because it's just a button press to switch between party mm-hmm. members the other two will just run over into a corner and start spinning in a circle around <laughs> each other and just doing like little pirouettes and they'll just do it until i move on and if i keep switching characters the whoever i switch into will just run over there and like pirouette with them for a while. they're it's having fun stu- it's dumb i don't know why this is happening it's very funny um but this is like this is inconsequential like who cares this doesn't hurt me this doesn't hurt my play experience like yeah it looks bad like whatever honestly the game functions and it is still fun to like zipper and yeah the textures over there load in like crap and i can't the the field like chugs a little bit when i run through the agricultural district who cares honestly mm. like once i once i got past the initial like whoa uh, of that game's game's fun i just I, I like it i like the characters i like moving around and i like the same things about ease like as well i i, I yeah. think i still like that so far better than nine we'll see by the end nine has a mystery that yeah. is bound what is with the guy in the prison i have to oh, know yeah i that have was... to know you did send me that picture <laughs> last night of the lady with her ass just like literally just <laughs> hanging out like is this like, a bug no, it's the it's the doctor. Do you remember oh, the doctor? Okay, yeah, she has like that that half uh, skirt thing going on, and yes, and like, her ass. It's no, a mini skirt, crack, but if, half of her butt, just yeah, half of it. It's a mini skirt, but the mini parts at the top. <laughs> yes, and like the rest of the skirt just normal. Yeah. Okay, I remember yeah, now. It, I, I, when I saw that, I wanted to drop a pencil in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's incredible, but yeah, no, I. I, I like it. I hope you don't stop playing eight and run. I hope you stick with I, it. No, so eight and nine I'm are both digging, good. So far, I'm digging eight. I will, Eight's the good one. Yeah, I will probably move on to nine if and when I ever finish this. But like, yeah, it's I am. It's one of those games. I always been like, yeah, this looks on. They're always like Nihon Falcon games of like, oh yeah, these look really cool. I just don't know that I want to dedicate a thousand hours of my life to it. Yeah. So maybe if I finish this at one point, I will move on to trails. If you want to talk about stick. Go ahead. Sorry, stick with eight long enough. There, there's a point. Okay, so you know, you know the Breath of the Wild moment that like everyone's trying to capture, where like you know they run out of the cave and you're on the cliff and you see everything spread out in front of you. You say it has the Breath of the Wild moment halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, get there. Get to that point. It's <laughs> worth it. It's cool. Yeah. You know, once you get twenty hours in, you'll have your Breath of the Wild moment. No, I don't. I don't. I think no. that's. I think that's garbage. Like if he was not enjoying the game at this point, I'd sure. be like, don't bother. Like like don't yeah. don't yeah, don't yeah. waste your time twenty hours on games you're not enjoying. But you're already enjoying it, so I hope I am excited for you to get to that part. Is what I'm yeah. saying. I have one small hot take, and that is I am just increasingly I like this. I love my Switch very much, but I'm only going to play it in certain instances. And given the choice, I'll probably make the PC my platform of choice for, especially for a game like Ease Nine. I've become that person. I've become no, the, okay. the PC elitist. I mean, if you're getting a Steam sense. Deck, like you can just get both. Yeah, oh, God, the Steam Deck is a game changer in that <laughs> regard, for sure. But I just, I need that 60 FPS. I need that community support and the Steam and the Switch. Like getting that portability brings with it too many compromises a lot mm. of the time. I find a lot of time, I just get used to it. Like Reb was saying, like Monster Hunter stories too. At first I was like, sure. okay, wow, uh, two frames per second. This was great. But <laughs> then I just kind of stopped noticing that there was any sort of lag at all or any sort yeah. of uh, frames dropped. And I just had a good time regardless. Oh, speaking of ease, one thing that like nobody ever talks about, and I'm really surprised, is that Yuza Koshiro just fucking straight up ripped off the Metroid jingle. 
for every item thing in that <laughs> yes. game. Yes. And like, I, I, I posted about it on Twitter. And everyone's like, yeah, he, he admits he ripped it off because he liked it. But it's everywhere. It is everywhere in that game. And I'm like, this is taking away a little bit from Metroid because now it's not going to feel as impactful when I go to Dread and get like a new thing. <laughs> You're going to be like, yay, I got it. I got Adolf's sword. Wait, how did this go? What was going on? I got a, a ruby fruit or whatever it is that just drops everywhere. Oh, yeah. Real quick, uh, East Games, music, soundtrack, straight bangers. Whole thing. Amazing. Holy oh, crap. Sunshine Coastline, the opening for Ease 8 is just the most incredible. <laughs> that so- messages me like an hour, like like half an hour, an hour into playing, and he's like, why does this beach theme go so hard? Right? right? <laughs> You're lost. Hey, let's go for this rock. <laughs> We're going to die of dehydration. Yeah, it's like, it's like I'm pursuing Dracula in a Castlevania music. <laughs> God, it's so good! So is the field music for nine. I don't know if you've gotten out into the field yet, Rev, yeah, but yeah, yeah, recently, yeah. I love really that good. too. I hit that point. I got to the field like, like, and that was, that was my, I was kind of like already sort of coming around to nine and like, okay, maybe this is what I want. And then I opened, like they opened up and I got out of the field and I'm like, oh, here yeah. it is. This is what I was waiting for. Yeah, let's go. I just run around, spent like half an hour just slashing stuff. <laughs> up. It was great. It just feels good to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nadia, what are you playing? Uh, well, aside from, uh, I played a bit of Chris Tales, and I played Neo Worlds with you, of course, for this. I had to wait and buy it like a schmuck, because I didn't really review it. Uh, I actually just started playing Final Fantasy 1 Pixel Remaster. I have never finished Final Fantasy 1. I probably won't finish it this time, but I definitely wanted to try it out and see how, how it goes. And you know what? It's very good, except for that stupid font. I the can't font read a bad. damn thing. I can't read a thing on the screen. What do you want me to do? Go rescue who now? I can't see. <laughs> so other than that, it's actually really great. The music is fantastic. The remix, mm. like it's all really good. It, game. I think Oyamatsu actually came in and remixed the music. So yeah, he helped with the remixes. So so far, no no major complaints. I'm waiting for four before I really break in de- break things down and see what's good and what's bad. But so far, one is good. I haven't played two or three yet though. Did you I've- see that RPG site has a fix for the font thing? Yeah. I saw that, but that's for PC. It's I'm not really a font per se. Oh wait, are you playing on mobile? I'm playing on mobile, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm playing on PC. Um the the font fix makes it a little bit bigger, but it still looks like something out of Microsoft Word, the old Microsoft Word <laughs> font. Yeah. Do you remember Word Art? That's what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, like art. a notepad or something. Yeah. It's it's really distracting, and I never thought that font could just completely take away from a game like as really beautiful as these pixel remasters, but so it goes. But get past the font. I, by and large, am very happy with them. I kind of wish that they had something like the Diablo 2 remaster where you could seamlessly switch between yeah. mm, kind of yeah. the older style because it's very different from the old style yes. versus the new style. Yeah. But the new style is really nice, and I would probably stick with that style anyway. So some nice particle effects, really good music, etc. I would just like that extra bit of flexibility, I think. That's like really high praise, actually, because I feel like pretty much every time somebody tries to redo, especially these old pixel, like top-down kinds of games, whenever anyone tries to redo it, I feel like everybody is just like, oh, this looks horrible, I hate this. Because there's always always like trying to like make it chibi or whatever. Like I think that like some of the mana games went through this and everyone's like, ah, this looks like crap, I hate this. Because everyone's got like that nostalgia. People are, you know, tear apart the Final Fantasy VI sprites anytime anyone posts anything that looks different about them. Um, But it's like, I'm glad that you like it. That makes me happy. No, I, I like it very much personally, uh, other than the fonts. Uh, the one thing I am not happy with 
is that apparently, I don't know how true this is yet, but apparently they took out all the bonus stuff that was when, like, for example, Dawn of Souls. Yes. Uh, yeah. Final Fantasy IV Advanced, Final Fantasy IV PSP had a bunch of, like, bonus dungeons, and you could play as all the characters eventually. Uh, you didn't have to, you weren't stuck to the the five when you went up against Zero Mus. I guess they're taking that out, too, which is really a shame, because that's all good stuff. And what really confuses me is, they would take that stuff out. Sorry, Final Fantasy IV rant here, nerd time. They would take that stuff out of Final Fantasy IV, and it the those trials in four correct it connect directly to what is going on in Final Fantasy fourteen right now with the lunar uh, primals and stuff like that. That is all stuff from four bonus dungeons, and they're getting rid of all that supposedly. That doesn't make any sense, Square. That does not make sense. Why do they hate fun? Why? I don't know. Those were fun trials. Square Enix is a land of contrast. They they don't <laughs> they don't seem to like really understand their own like preservational instincts. Like it seems like oh well, if people want the old NES or SNES stuff. Let's just give them that. But let's like improve it a little bit. It's like well, okay, but you also did these same thing these improvements ten years later. That's also part of the nostalgic history of this. I yes. was like fourteen or fifteen when those, that stuff came out. Like. That is what Final Fantasy 4, Final Fantasy 2 and 3 and all that stuff is to me in a, a, a different kind of way. So it's weird that they they pick and choose the different uh, eras they pull from. It is very strange. I'm hopeful that we get something to the effect of what happened with Chrono Trigger on PC, where they continually mm. update and provide a fair amount of support and listen to the fans, for example, who want different fonts and maybe the original nes 8-bit soundtrack as an option for these games which i would i would like to hear the original 8-bit soundtrack for say final fantasy 3 which is actually quietly kind of a banger mm. in my opinion and no, three soundtrack is fantastic and then especially when four five and six come out and possibly when they come out on console it'd be really nice if we started to get all of that bonus material i think it would enhance the the package overall but i also get the impression that I mean, it's COVID times and they are just trying to get these games out and maybe going the extra mile for a small project like this just isn't in the cards, at least not yet. So square the kind of the balls in the, your court. Let, let's make it happen. Make these the true definitive editions. I, I will watch 20 more minutes of Guardians of the Galaxy footage if they add that stuff in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the news. And we are once again talking about what has been happening at Activision Blizzard, which has been dominating the news cycle for another week. And just to catch everybody up, basically Activision Blizzard had a really toxic response to the lawsuit from the state of California over what has been happening over there. And a lot of stories emerged on social media that resulted in people at Activision Blizzard staging a walkout and posting an open letter and caused Activision Blizzard's stock to tank as well. And Bobby Kotick put out a much more conciliatory message, but their messages have been all over the place. We're recording this on a Wednesday, and Kotaku posted a, a pretty harrowing story about something called the Cosby Suite, which was happening in 2013, where uh, there's a lot of stories floating around, but the impression is that where dudes went to drink and, you know, bring girls in and everything. And it's it's rough, and we've been covering it all week. And Reb, Imran, you've also been kind of in the trenches with all of this stuff, so I'd be interested to get your perspective on everything. I... This is one of those things where, like, one, 
I I 100% support the people who are walking out, the mm. 100% support the victims. It's like, it's one of those things also where I don't think people need to hear it from someone like me because they need to hear it from, you know, the people who actually have like outstretched influence in this sort of stuff who can actually, you know, fix these things and make better and who do need to be tossed on their ass in some instances. Like I saw there was a lot of stuff today that like I read that Kotaku report, which is honestly the most, stunning thing i've read out of this honestly like it's the pretty gross yeah the lawsuit was that but like reading that made me think like it's not that oh we want to do better it's that oh you're you're so just mad you got caught huh and like i i'm i have like a million different thoughts about it but like the main overriding thing that keeps coming out of it for me is just burn the whole fucking thing down and like whatever comes out of it it'll be better than what this is now yeah, there was a culture of, bro, it wasn't that bad. Oh, it was that bad. Ooh. And what's funny is when you're talking to people, they'll go, you know, there was always this kind of pervasive feeling that Blizzard was one of the good ones. And then there are a lot of women who are like, really? Is that what you really <laughs> thought? Yeah, I think, man, this is hard. Um, I think I think a couple things, obviously, like full support behind the walkout. Um, behind behind the people who are you know uh, rallying and and pushing uh, for for better from this industry um, at Ubisoft as well. Uh, Ubisoft uh, had an open letter today, or, or employee, if I remember right, employees you know supporting uh, the Activision Blizzard um, and also you know calling for accountability at their own company. You know, saying we had this reckoning last year and the change has not been good enough. We need we demand mm. more. And I mean this this like keeps happening. Like and and it, this should not shock. It does. It it does in spite of itself. I mean, I I know. Like I've done reporting on these kinds of things before, and like it shouldn't be shocking. Like, but but it still feels like it is sometimes. But I mean, the truth is, this is this is the industry. This is the games industry, and we've got to confront it in the face. And I I don't want people to shut up about this. Like people can't shut up about this right now. You can see like from their from their initial response of like, oh, us never. Uh, this is all made up to now where they're like, wow, uh, okay, sorry, we didn't respond as nicely as we should have. Oops. Uh, the pressure is mounting and I want to see that continue to push. I, and it can't, I mean, it's easy for me to say it. Like I don't work at a games company. I'm not a developer. I'm not like somebody whose who's livelihood is on the line here. Like I, I, those choices are hard. I can't make those choices for anyone else. But my hope is that everybody can come together collectively at their studios. And I, you know, people are calling for thing, things like unions. Like I can't, I can't make those decisions for other people, but regardless, like everybody who cares about this pulling together and demanding better, whatever that means, like this, we can't keep having this every single year, damn it. We can't keep just having like these these weird moments where like everybody gets really mad for like a month and then it just goes away again and nothing gets better. Like like I I I don't remember if I can say the F word on your podcast, but fuck that. Like seriously, yeah. fuck that. <laughs> yes, you can. It's like fucked up, right? And I think the other thing that I sort of want to throw in here is again, like having done reporting on this, I think it is easy to get pissed off about this shit when there's like a real clear, like, like center point. Like there's a story somewhere where somewhat some, something truly atrocious, like just, just unbelievably stupid and awful happened. Like, like really overt, 
sexual harassment, just, some, just something clear. It's really easy to get mad about that. I think it's a little bit, it's a lot harder for the industry to get this riled up over just the general pervasive like sexist culture. Like you see a lot of stories coming out of this Activision Blizzard thing um, from people who work there saying, hey, I wasn't the victim of X, Y, or Z, but you know, I was there for X amount of years and I, you know, people were, there was like weird microaggressions or there was weird like bro talk. And I, you know, I no one ever like, you know, was actively shitty to me, but I just felt like this weird culture. I felt like I didn't belong or I felt like I was put down, but I couldn't quite articulate why. Hey, that sucks shit too, you know? Like, like that isn't okay. That should be something we should all be fighting back against and pushing back on. And I, you know, I see, I see a lot of well-meaning men in this industry coming out and saying, well, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm sorry. I had no idea. Yeah, maybe you didn't know about the most egregious examples of this. Yeah, maybe no one tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, someone just sexually assaulted someone else. Um, but you were in these offices, like you heard this language being tossed around. You saw your female colleagues, you know, getting getting degraded or getting their ideas pushed down or having like this these weird microaggressions happen against them. You heard that, like, like you were there for that. You just don't want to admit that you didn't either didn't have the awareness, which okay, maybe not, but now you do. Or you maybe had the awareness, but you didn't have the guts to tap someone on the shoulder and say, hey, uh, no, like, why are we doing that? Uh, so everybody needs to step the fuck up, like, especially men. Um, and I, I, I really mean that, like, across the games industry. Like, we can't, we can't just wait for, like, the most egregious examples of this to come out in lawsuits in the news. Like, it has to be an active, conscious thing that people are doing every single damn day in their workplaces, whether they're working in, you know, game development or game publishing or, or PR or, or media or whatever sector you're in. I mean, it's just like being a human being and treating other people like human beings. So, I don't know. That's my take. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good take. What what kind of astounds me about all of this is just looking at reading about this behavior and wondering, how do you not grow up like that? How do you remain in this this infantile state of mind that makes you think it's okay to act like, you know, not even like a high school per, uh, kid a, 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 about women? Like, it's just, how old are you? Welcome to the real world. Like, I am very, I have a lot of complex feelings about what adulthood is because I don't know where the hell I am a lot of the time in terms of my age and how I feel. But I still feel like adulthood is a lot more than uh, giving up toys and games. Of course it's not. But it's, of course, it's paying taxes. It's having a job. Of course it is. But there's also just an attitude that you should really take on and leave high school behind and sure, make games. That's great. That's, that's fantastic. I want you to keep making games. But for God's sake, be a human being act like an adult treat your colleagues like adults please that's all i'm asking out of you I mean, like the game industry kind of encourages that kind of behavior it like, does it absolutely does it, i mean it's not just the games industry it's tech it's, it's frankly yeah, it's, it's tech like every, absolutely yes the video game industry is relatively still pretty young and within only the past 10 years has really changed from a very male dominated hobbyist driven culture into something a lot more mainstream and we're feeling the I, I would say that we are feeling the what's the, the growing pains from that if you think about blizzard blizzard started out as basically an indie developer there were these dudes who have been there forever since the dawn of time and they were made to feel like rock stars because of what happened with world of warcraft and the success sustained success over so many years and they were told over and over and over again that they were gods. And as a result, as they kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, they did not evolve. They kind of maintained that same mindset that they had had for years and years. 
And now, finally, after 25 years, they are experiencing that they are having the reckoning that they've needed to have. I believe this is actually the 25th and uh, 25th anniversary of Warcraft 2, but they recently celebrated their 30th anniversary last year. Is wow. that it? So yeah. Yeah, so, so they've been around for a while and they've been they around for a while, better. but like as I was reporting in my like my last report, you know, a lot of the people have been there for 20, 25 years. I mean, there's a turnover in the culture at the moment, but yeah, like you know, we kind of need a new generation to get in there if we're going to really see change. Okay, let's keep moving on to other news. Um, we are seeing a lot of shortages in the console space at the moment, but remarkably, the Xbox Series XS and the PS5 still selling incredibly well, the fastest selling consoles for their respective brands and it just keeps going, you know? It never stops. <laughs> I have tried to get a... a um, I mean, it, I had to go through hell to get my PS5. Xbox wasn't so bad. But Steam Deck, forget about it. Like, I really... <laughs> Steam Deck, I, want, I just gave up. I, I want gonna... one very much. Like, I think it'd be a fantastic little system for me. But forget it. $5,000 already. Scalpers are having a field day. It's such a... Oh, it's really taking the fun out of buying consoles, you know? I know COVID is part of the problem. But scalpers are really just so brazen... They, they just don't care. Why would they care? They're making a ton of money. I don't think it's ever been this bad for like no. anything I recall. Not even the PS2, which was a which was a real goat rodeo, was not this bad. It's all the boat. That's yeah. all the bots that people are programming and then just flooding retailers. And retailers seemingly don't care that bots are buying up all their consoles because they're getting money. What happened with Steam Deck? Because I know they were doing something that was supposed to prevent this, and it did not work at they all. They were requiring like, you that you could only buy like one per Steam account, and your Steam account right. had to have been active, I think, before 2021 or something like that. Basically, so you can't just make 20 Steam accounts on the fly and yes. buy 20 Steam Decks. Uh, I, I don't know why that didn't work. I know that I got a, an extremely funny slash sad play-by-play of Kat trying to buy one. Like, <laughs> like the, the two hours that it was up, just like back and forth where she was on whatever like purchase screen was, was delightful. But it sounds like you got Sitting one. in the news meeting going, I'm not going to get one. But then you I got one. You were at ground zero. Yeah, I was. But I, I think it's mostly just a production thing. Valve is trying to make them as fast as possible, but as usual, chip shortages, which are going to continue for another year, possibly another couple of years, is just getting in the way. And Valve, I'm sure, predicted that they were going to sell a lot, but they cannot keep up with demand. People want so many Steam Decks. They want all of the Steam Decks, so... It's there's this really truly is a supply constraint, I think. Yeah. 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 Definitely that ship shortage plus COVID and the whole Delta strain not really helping things and blah. Nadia, we got some new Final Fantasy 16 info for the first time in a while. It won't be at TGS. Boo. However, it is being filmed first with British accents, which <laughs> yes. uh, apparently sparked a lot of discourse over in England. <laughs> England. In England. Yes, <laughs> England. That place. <laughs> that place. The, the little island. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that's pretty cool. Why wouldn't it? Like, they always use, like, sure. kind of the British accents. Different, accents. Though. I mean, it uh, just kind of speaks to what Final Fantasy 16 is actually going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has that definitely, like, when something is British sounding, it has that more authentic, you know, fantasy feel. Like, we seem to have decided. We just associate. We've, we've collectively decided <laughs> that that's what fantasy sounds like. British. 
British. <laughs> we're, we're all it's all British. I, I guess that makes sense. I mean, we were talking about Tolkien and how Tolkien has influenced Final Fantasy, like pretty much top to bottom. Uh, yeah, I actually was looking over the some of the cinemas for uh, Square Enix's latest stuff and really kind of admiring how the English has matched really well to the lips. And of course, I'm assuming it's different for different languages, but I appreciate that kind of effort. And I'm looking forward to ha- seeing it in 16. Yeah, it's. I'm I'm a little surprised Square Enix has like agreed to that because I, I I don't know if I'm betraying King Country or giving out secrets to people that they didn't already know, but Square Enix was very I don't want to say obsessed, but very insistent that Final Fantasy be a Japanese thing that starts in Japan, like starts with Japanese voice actors, and like that they're willing to say, okay, 16 will we'll start with British English first, and that'll be what we're basing everything else off of. Feels just so un like Forspoken is largely made in America, or not largely, but partly made in America with design in Japan and stuff like that. It feels like a real sea change for them for a company that traditionally just has not done those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I feel like 16, from what little we've seen of it, I can be totally off base, but it does have that more traditional fantasy base. Like, I don't want to say Game of Thrones because it doesn't really remind me of Game of Thrones, but. Uh, Let's face it, the actually the team that worked on Heavensward is working on uh, 16 from what I hear. And Heavensward was like, it was Game of Thrones, let's be honest with ourselves here, with, with elves. But, you know, <laughs> so I understand why it kind of has that flavor and tone. And finally, Nadia, Netflix is apparently commissioning a live action Pokemon series, Detective Pikachu, but it's on Netflix. I'll watch it. I would, you know what? I love Detective Pikachu. I had a great time with it. If you can give me more of that, like that fun-looking world where Pokemon and, and people live together and they live in a city, I'll watch that. I'll really enjoy that. I bet. This sounds horrible. This sounds like a terrible idea. But it sounds like a terrible idea in the same way that Detective Pikachu sounded like a terrible idea. And I love Detective Pikachu. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to like like reckon within myself with like, oh God, I don't. I don't know if I want that. Like, like, it's not like they're saying, oh, it's going to be a spinoff of Detective Pikachu. It's just like live action Pokemon. Like someone else is doing this. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, are you going to, are you just going to try to make it look like Detective Pikachu? Like you can do something different. Like what, what are we in for here? Like that Lickitung was real weird guys. Um, oh, <laughs> I just yeah, yeah, please enjoy remembering that. Uh, but yeah, but I'm trying, I'm trying to like fight this demon within myself of like, no, you might, you really love Detective Pikachu. And honestly, you know, I just, I just really like Pokemon. I'll just like if you if you put a Pokemon on it, I'll I'll probably just just absorb whatever it is, except for Pokemon Unite, the thing that like all my friends are into and I'm somehow not. Um, but but yeah, I don't I don't know. It might it might be okay, maybe. And Reb, I don't want it to be good. Don't play Pokemon Unite. Save yourself. I saw you were great level three last time I checked, Cat. Yes, okay. I am. Great I can't level play three. Pokemon Unite because I have just downloaded the new Nier game onto my phone, and I the servers weren't online last time I checked. They might be now. They're not yet. Um, God damn it! Come on, guys. Um, <laughs> but but I I can only like manage one mobile game at a time. I can't I can't play more than one mobile oh, game at a time. It's not otherwise... on mobile. It's on Switch only. Right oh, why did yeah. I think? Why did I think no, it was on mobile? But there no, was a mobile. It will come to mobile eventually. But yes. I'm playing I'm yeah. playing Yeast on Switch. So I've got Yeast on the Switch. I've got Death Store on PC. I've got Nier on my phone. I'm covered. I don't need any more games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is too many video games. We've reached critical mass. That's it. There's too many video games. Too many. I was up till two in the morning last night playing Pokemon Unite. So this game is <laughs> no. real dangerous. No, 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 no. I know it's the Blastoise good. and the little suit and top hat is like oh, yeah. really Aww. good, but you can't. 
I, I was telling Kat that I was going to play it just because I wanted to buy all the fancy skins and lure them over to the children that play the game. I am <laughs> <laughs> an adult. <laughs> Excuse me, coming through. Yeah, that's sometimes I feel really good about myself in that game. Like, wow, I, we just stomped that team, and I'm like, they're probably like seven. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. My friend, I saw my friend playing Pokemon Unite. I was like, hey, you're playing Pokemon Unite. He's like, yeah, I'm scouting it out for my like six year old daughter. I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. all the kids who enjoy Pokemon are like, free to play Pokemon, why not? But it is, especially in ranked play, <laughs> very, what, <clears throat> sorry. But in ranked play, it is very competitive and is actually a very slimmed down, very smartly developed console MOBA that nevertheless doesn't uh, sacrifice a lot of the the depth. I'm like actually surprised and impre impressed by the, detail of the design it's the uh the free to play free to pay to win aspects of it are kind of bug bugging me and i'm a little worried that it's going to get real bad mm. uh, given some time especially once they introduce some new items and then you have to level them up and grind and people are just spending money to do so it's not amazing imran it sounds like you've been playing i played a couple of matches like i i enjoyed what i played and i thought okay this is cool <laughs> I'm not much of a MOBA guy, so I don't think I'll ever just, you know, really commit to it. But I expected something really bad, and what I got was not a trash fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I haven't played much of it. I've just kind of dabbled in it, but I will get probably into it. I actually loved Pokemon Cafe. I was really into that for a while, so it's, it, I can really get into free-to-play Pokemon. I'm a bit of a sap that way. I still play Pokemon Shuffle. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. I still do. I still play Go every day. You thought it was going to be bad, though. That that's really surprising to me because it's the combination of Tencent and Pokemon. Like, like Tencent, Tencent doesn't make shitty games, really. Pokemon, Pokemon spinoffs can be quite hit and miss. I've yeah. found. they've been very careful in recent years. I feel like like mm. older spinoffs are, are kind of weird, but like for, for like the last like five, six, seven years or so, their spinoffs have been very like careful. Pokemon Masters was ended up being kind of a bomb. Yeah. No, they actually really, really improved that. They stuck to it and they fixed it up. Uh, they actually added voices and Leon had this British accent, like this really posh British accent. I'm like, what the hell? Why does he have a British accent? Then I realized, oh, that makes sense, actually. <laughs> He's like, let's take a selfie together to commemorate this moment. I didn't realize that you were playing Pokemon Masters, Nadia. I'm not. I just know someone who's absolutely obsessed with Leon and Raihan. So uh, <laughs> I just see the stuff that she puts up. All right, on that note, let's continue on to our review of Neo The World Ends With You. Don't go away. So I was reading your individual reviews, Imran, Reb, and it sounds like the original The World Ends With You means a lot for both of you. Yeah, it it really did. You know, I was, what, I think like 16 when it came out Aww. on the DS, um, and I, I was in high school. And I think like it hit me, it hit me like it, I don't know, just a very particular time in my life, because I was about, I don't know how old Neku's supposed to be, but I was around his age. Um, and I didn't like quite have the same problems that he did because like the whole the whole thing of his plot is he's, the, he's this character who for reasons you find out very late in the game but he's someone who has closed himself off to basically everyone around him he has like no no friendships no connections um, and he's like just very the whole 
he's closed to the whole world around him. Like he keeps his headphones on. It's like you know, big obvious symbolism of just shutting everything out. And through the course of the Reapers game, you know, learns how to rely on others so much so. I'm gonna spoil this game that's, you know, 14 years old, I'm sorry, but like, like by there, there's this whole idea of having like something, the thing that is most valuable valuable to you taken as payment to enter the Reapers game. And then in week three of the Reapers game, everybody around him has become, so, the people of Shibuya become so valuable to him that they're taken as his fee. Like every other player is taken. And so he, comes to like learn how to connect with people and I, I don't know like it wasn't it wasn't something that was explicitly personal to me but it was just this teenager and some other teenagers like kind of in this place of flux and figuring things out and I just like it always it always really stuck with me I, I think what stuck with me more and I'll, I'm sure I'll get into this as we talk but like like the specifics of the plot never really caught me like I couldn't tell you there's something about a composer and a producer I I barely remember that stuff. Like I, I refreshed myself somewhat um, for for Neo, but like like the thing the things that stuck with me are the music, the feeling, and just the, the love that that game had for Shibuya, for this place that I had never been, I've still never seen. Um, but this this like area of Tokyo that it, it just loves so much, and that the cast of characters, especially Neku, come to love by the end of the game. Like it just becomes so valuable to them, um, and so that. I never really played anything like it before. I mean, I love the mechanics. I loved the way it used the dual screen. I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, it just had a particular vibe that always just sort of like sat in the back of my head. Like, like even you know, years later, I'll I would just be sitting around and like calling or three minutes clapping or Twister would like just start popping in my head and be like, all right, okay, it's good. So. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was meaningful. It was a good game. I, I always wanted a sequel. I think I, I reached a point where I just assumed they were never going to do one, and then they started releasing like this final mix stuff, and I'm like, all right, they're gearing up for something, and then they did no, it. Nomura's been trying to get it made for years. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> for years. It's so his baby. It I mean, really it was is. kind of a bomb when it came out originally. Yeah. It was a bad time for JRPGs. It didn't it was, sell badly. Ah, uh, yeah, middle. I'm of not the sure road, what the numbers were. At best, I'm, I'm gonna look it up. I don't think it sold badly. It was on the DS, which meant it, like probably it had 120 million possible people to sell to. But like, it might have had a long tail. But I remember specifically that the world ends with you was considered to be uh, a bit of a failure when it came out on the Nintendo DS. But then over time, it was released on mobile, multiple platforms. It became a cult favorite, and I think. As time went on, it eventually was successful. So these numbers are, so one, this is Wikipedia, so grain of salt. I'm not going to dig it through these sources right now on a podcast. Um, it, it Keep in mind, these are like DS numbers. Uh, it sold nearly 193,000 units in Japan by the end of the year it came out. Okay. Um, and it only sold 43,000 copies during its first month in North America. Um, but it's the first shipment of that game sold out mid-May. So there was a point where it outsold what they expected and they had to do like a second shipment and some other stuff. So it, it, it out, it looks like it outsold expectations in North America. I think, I, I mean, I would assume they released that game and thought, yeah, the Americans don't care about Shibuya. They're, they don't, this is a very <laughs> Japanese, it is, yeah. it's a very Japanese game. Like, it I'm is. sure they That's assumed that we wouldn't care about it. And then we did. And I think, I think it did get sort of a little bit of a cult status, but it was like very well received. I think the people who played it, like remember it very fondly. Yeah. It was, it was the Absolutely. beginning of that Japanese backlash that the industry was having. It was like, right. The DS was kind of the way holding that thing back a little bit, but there was that period when the 360 came out and the PS3 came out where the industry just as a whole, like not even just games, but market and uh, game journalism all just went no two Japanese is bad and yeah, the world absolutely. interview kind of it kind of just went out there and said 
what if we were just as Japanese as we could possibly be and, you know, have this game that is set in Shibuya and it's like, has all this music that is not even like the idea in 2006 of not translating a song for a major like Square Enix game would have been absurd. And like, granted, there's Suteki Dane and all that stuff, but like for like having the English versions of some are uh, someday and not English versions as like main themes for that game was nuts. And I, I, that's one of the reasons I really did like that game is it would, I like Japanese games at the time and the backlash is very weird to me. And Worlds of the got to be, you know, loud and proud about what it wanted to be and what it was. I think one of the reasons we just ultimately didn't get a sequel is the opportunity cost of that thing, especially when compared to what that team was doing later, which was Kingdom Hearts all the way through. Right. Was like, okay, why would you ever make another one of these games? It could have, the game could have sold a million and a half copies. It probably sold somewhere around there, continuing all the, all the, ports and versions but it probably wouldn't have done nearly as well as any given kingdom hearts game they were working on god no. literally put it in kingdom hearts yeah it, there's a number of kingdom hearts references in uh neo as well yeah because they're in the same universe now they, no no <laughs> i am i am so i i like I, I i love the original kingdom hearts i this is a whole different podcast i i am very like grumpy about all the weird lore nonsense um but i i am adamant like imran was trying to tell me before before we had ever played this game imran was like trying to explain to me like why people thought that like kingdom hearts was canon in the world ends of the universe universe i like no. no i will not have this i was I trying to explain to her specifically the ending of kingdom hearts 3 the extra mm-hmm. ending stupid <laughs> stupid Look, no reb sora is going to show up in final fantasy remake part 3 you know it oh i don't that, care about that that would be weird let him, that would be super let him. weird Put Donald Duck in Final Fantasy VII Remake. Do it now, Square. It's like, gonna I'll happen. Start a petition. I think Donald Duck should be in everything. We're like we, halfway there after Final Fantasy VII Remake Part One. We're like halfway there. I seriously. honestly don't think we're that far away from a Square Enix Marvel Cinematic Universe multiverse oh, kind yeah. of thing. Oh where they're yeah. Like, yes. oh yeah, we're just gonna because like I feel like World of Final Fantasy was kind of them testing the waters of that a little bit. Like, what if we do put everyone together? What's gonna happen if we do that? They've been and, doing that a million times. Like the city of Final Fantasy as well. Yeah. yeah crossover games but no like like i feel like the setup for like final fantasy 7 remake and kingdom hearts i Imran, you might be onto something but i hate it <laughs> <laughs> well neo the original world ends with you hits in a very specific place for me because i was living in japan at the time and mm. when it came out i was commuting through shibuya pretty much every single day so i kind of saw that as like my place i knew it extremely well mm. and the world ends with you Mapped it out really well, actually. I was able to navigate that world just by virtue of knowing where various things were. Obviously, it was a super heightened version of it, but that it captured the culture well. And you can tell that this is very much a Nomura thing. I think he even said that one of the characters in Neo, The World Ends With You, that Nomura has that outfit. <laughs> Minami Moto. Minami Moto yeah. has that outfit. <laughs> uh, I was hoping it was the cat. The cat outfit. No, adorable. no, it was it was a very amusing interview about how he basically owns every in in Minami Moto's Neo the World Ends with You outfit. Nomura has every single piece of clothing in that wardrobe. There's a character in that he game would. that Nomura designed in Kubo that like I'm surprised he designed him because he looks like a joke about Nomura. He looks like someone designed. <laughs> like yeah, I'm gonna put the boss in this game, like how uh, Mirror's Edge put in Andrew Wilson. I got to say, there is a character, um, I can't remember the name of the, the Reaper who has the cat suit, but uh, she is exactly, 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 minus the cat suit, like Gaia from Shoka? Final Fantasy XIV. Shoka, yeah. yeah. 
She's exactly like Gaia from Final Fantasy XIV, who was also Nomura design, and everyone was laughing their ass off when she came into being because she was the most Nomura-ass character ever in the history of, of video games. And here she is again. I love Nomura so much. Yeah, it's pretty wild. But Neo, the world ends with you. I was, I'll admit, I was a little bit skeptical when it was first announced. Yes, you because were. Because it was like, oh, this is the game that I wanted in 2012, and it's now 2021, and it doesn't <sighs> hit in the same way. And yes, I'm going to be that person um, after Persona 5. It just isn't going to, the stylization didn't hit in the same way. But once I started playing Neo, the world ends with you, I was like, okay, I'm into this. I'm into the music. I didn't think I would like the music. And it is very grounded in 2007 in that particular look. And I'm fine with it. They they brought back, oh God, I can never remember his name. So is that a slow? He's like there Minami in like the Moto. first five minutes. Yeah, Minamimoto. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, no, like I am digging it and I want to keep playing it. But Reb, Imran, I want to hear your thoughts. So mm. I never played the Switch version of the, the Switch port of the game, which right. turned out to be a mistake because they added something called Another Day to that. And Another Day was, it's, it's picking up, uh, basically on the teases they put for the iPad version of the game, because that ended with like a character named Sagumi showing up in front of the Shibuya, uh, the 104 building saying like, you know, next week or whatever. And like, so they pick up from there and they they do some stuff. Basically, Neko and Beat have another adventure. And I'm like, okay, well, that's never going to come up again. Super wrong. That's extremely important. It comes up a lot. But I came into Neo: The World Ends with You, and I was like, "Okay, I'm excited this game exists. I'm at least like whether this game is good and bad. I'm excited it exists, but I think it might end up being bad." And then I played a preview, and I was like, "Okay, no, this is this is pretty good. I like I like this battle system. They know what they're doing at least." I finished the, the game as kind of like a roller coaster of like there are parts of this that are really good, and some of it just. Some of it doesn't shake out the way it needs to shake out. And I I overall think it's a very good game. We don't give scores, but if we did, it would probably be somewhere around a seven for me that I think they, they made a sequel to the world ends with you warts and all, but it's like 14 years later. And those warts are a bit more prominent now. The battle system. (laughs) I don't really understand it yet. (laughs) Yeah. I'm having trouble with that. Hang in there. The, the battle system, I think, is... So, I, I played on the Switch version, and there, I... Again, not try, I, lo- I love my Switch. I'm not trying to just rag on Switch versions of everything, but I'm, I'm playing two Switch games right now that both have issues, uh, mechanically. So, there, there are, were, like, some technical issues with battles on the Switch version that I had, but just mechanically, like, as it is, hang in there on the battle system. It about... So, okay. It... How do I say this without spoiling things? Uh, if you played the first The World Ends With You, you will remember that that game takes place over, initially you think one week, and then there are three weeks. Uh, Neo The World Ends With You initially seems to take place over one week, and then, you know, something else happens, and the game is not just a 10-hour long game. So, uh, it, basically, after the first week is done, uh, there are things that happen and progress mechanically that make the battle system a lot more interesting and satisfying. One is just so you get more access to more pins uh, and I like just a much wider array of them, especially if you crank up the difficulty a little bit to unlock more of them. But even if you don't, I played mo- I played on normal, then I went back and did some hard difficulty stuff. Um, but like it, access to more pins helps, but then there are also just like some mechanical things that you unlock that I, 
I don't know how to explain how mechanics are spoilers, but they are. Uh, but uh, there, there's stuff that you unlock that makes it, by, by the end of it, I was really enjoying the combat. Like, I think it takes a long time to get there um, because you're trying to level up. You have these pins that are assigned to different characters and they're each assigned to different buttons as well. Yeah, which is um, neat. And if you don't, it's really cool. And I think I think they did just a, an immaculate job of, the, the feeling of the first game was very much like you're trading off these attacks between these two characters on the top and the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. And so even though you're, pl- you're playing two characters simultaneously and the goal is to achieve like this flow where they're not disconnected, they're just passing it back and forth. And I, I don't have any clue how anyone came up with this idea uh, for this this uh, console version of the game that at its best has that same feeling where you're flowing between different characters and chaining it. When you get that flow, when you like build your pin set exactly right and trade off those blows and just like the, and land that groove meter like little click like every single time. God, it feels so good. Oh my God. There are like some battles like later on where I was just like chaining and like all my, like my pin would recharge at exactly the right moment. And I go into the next character and yes. like do those finishers. God, it feels so good. The buildup to get there is really tough um, because while you're still leveling up those pins, while you're just fighting random enemies, trying to, you know, build your strength and stuff like that, when you're testing out pins, cause you don't know what's good or not. Uh, some battles are janky and they don't feel good. Um, yeah. But you can tell you get you get to a point where it very much just wants you to okay you have like multiple sets of pins saved you know which ones you need for each situation you're you're built you're doing like a loadout you have you have like your build that you're going to use for these bosses and it's going to feel really good and you're comfortable and you know just how to use it you don't even have to think and that mm, it's good it feels really good goddamn mm. that that said like that build up can really suck sometimes because like the the first boss the end of the first week that boss took me like 10 tries because and I was just getting more and more frustrated because of that that flow thing Reb was talking about that makes so much sense when you're fighting a bunch of small or smallish enemies that you're like zipping around and shooting at and like you're going in there and mashing your combos when you fight someone that can counterattack and there's one of them and they are just like they have complete frame and vulnerability like so they will attack you what regardless of what you're doing to them that gets so maddening and frustrating that I was like this game might be really bad now again <laughs> <laughs> this might this I'm going down the roller coaster again. I'm like, oh crap, this game is not going going well. But then you finish that and you fight you end up fighting that boss a couple of times over the game, course of the game. And like each time gets a little bit more easier, a little bit more sensical. And I think the game I don't I, I don't think it was intentional for you to have a bad time there, but it was intentional for you to have a rough time. And I think the game starts teaching you the lesson of okay, as the weeks go on, you're getting demonstrably stronger. And that is one of the things that video games have a hard time really doing well without frustrating you. This one failed, and then it frustrated me. But it is a, it is an interesting way in which they were able to stack more and more things that bounce them and still make it feel like you are, in fact, getting stronger. It's not just getting more complicated. It reminds me of the Nintendo DS version of The World Ends With You, the original one, because when you initially start out with that battle system, it is really confusing and feels kind of hacky slashy and you're going, I don't understand what's going on. But by the end of the week, you feel like you've really built kind of a synergy with your partner and then you get a new partner and then it starts all over again and you're completely, you've lost your rhythm. And I always thought that was a really cool example of meta storytelling. And in this case, I mean, it feels like there's a little bit of that as well in the sense of initially you're going, it's just hacking and slashing. I'm trying to get the rhythm. I'm, I don't, there's a lot of mechanics happening, a lot of on-screen prompts, and I'm not really sure what is happening. I guess this is fun. The music is a lot of fun, but I don't really have a grasp of it. So in that sense, 
it has kind of a similar sort of learning curve as the original World Ends With You. Yeah, I will add, and again, being really careful about spoilers here, uh, the thing you are describing of changing partners each week and having a particular feeling of, no, now I have to get used to this new person. Neo doesn't do that, but... I, I, I can't, it has I can't its own it. spin on the idea. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, there is something somewhat connected to that idea that happens in later in the game um, that I, I think will feel a particular way to you that you might appreciate. Ugh. It's a true sequel. It's a true well, successor. It is. It is. Okay. Mm. That that's kind of like what, one of the things <laughs> I think is interesting about the games, like because it's a re, it's a Reapers game, and the Reapers are constantly just talking about like how do we make the game more interesting? How do we like. Uh, like we make it bigger and better than the way it was before clearly referring to the world ends with you it's like oh this is just a weird meta thing where they're like they're like game developers and game designers sitting there talking about how do we how do we make it better but also still the same how do we make it more interesting for us and for the players like it's a it's a really fascinating look at like game design in a weird way you were so cat you you were saying about you were making a kind of a quip about it being a true sequel and I think that's like where sort of the crux of my review ended up landing and where I feel like deeply conflicted about Neo. Cause I liked it. I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. Um, I think it, it feels to me like it is two games that got smushed together. Mm-hmm. It, it, so it, it feels to me like after the first world ends with you, they wanted to make a direct sequel. Um, they had like more ideas. They had more plot threads for their main cast from that game and for the area, for the, for the NP, for like all the side characters for everybody that they wanted to do. And they had all these ideas and they're like, great, we're going to do that. And then Kingdom Hearts came and they got busy and then enough time passed that they realized, okay, if we're going to do a sequel, we need like a new story, right? Like we need some new people. We can't just be like, oh, here's, here's the continuation of that because it's been like 14 years. And even if we release final mix of the anime, people don't have any idea what's going on. So we need a new cast. And so they get like Rindo and Nagi and Fret um, and the, and these people together. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to make these new interesting characters. Great. And the first half of Neo, the world is with you feels like that new game with Rindo, Nagi and Fret and be like, okay, we're going to tell the story of these new kids. We're going to throw them in the Reapers game. They don't know what's going on. And there's a point about a little less than halfway through the game where it becomes really clear that it is no longer a game about Rindo, Nagi and Fret's story. And it, starts to very quickly encroach into the territory of here's the direct sequel that they wanted to do to the first game. And it, it drives me, it, it drove me up the wall because it, it feels like two games smashed together. The The sequel that they wanted to make doesn't have a first half. And this game with Rindo, Fret, and Nagi that I was I was really getting into. Like, I, I think Rindo gets done extremely dirty by the end um, because I feel like he doesn't ever have like a really strong plot. But I also feel like Fret and Nagi, who are characters I really, really love, don't ever get resolution to the conflicts that they exhibit throughout the whole game. Uh, But anyway, whatever the case is with them, like their story just kind of like peters off at a certain point. And you don't, aside from a couple like like, days where you just like get a, a giant dump of plot information, like they don't, they're just kind of done dirty by the story. And it... It bothers me a lot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if this is like like just like giving away too much about what happens, but this was like very central to like my feelings about it because I think I think a lot of the mechanics of the game, the feel of the game, like it feels like feels like really good Shibuya. Like the music is incredible. Like all the vibes are there. The clothes, the food, the world building, like all these things are so cool. Like it's everything I wanted out of a sequel. Um, but then it's also trying so hard to resolve these plot threads 
that had, had gone unresolved for 14 years mm. that it just neglects the new cast that it brought in. And I'm like, God, no, don't do that. It feels like if at the end of Korra season one, you find out, oh, Oza is just back and <laughs> the old group needs to come back and deal with him. And Absolutely. Like, That's exactly how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> and like... We we didn't talk about this game until we like both finished the, our reviews and then we get into the car and we both just explode like whoa, whoa, why, why didn't they do that what was the deal with this thing and then like I I wanted to like this game more but I feel like at the beginning I was like why are we dealing with these new kids why don't we just get the old guys back then they start making me like the new kids and then they don't do enough with the new kids to make it like make it so they have resolution in their story that they're building up for the entire first half of the game and. I understand why they did that. I understand, but it just feels like they weren't confident enough in this new world when they should have been because it was, these are likable characters. I really, I really liked Fret. I really liked Nagi. Both of them get a combined like five minutes in the credits or before the credits, like in the ending to like finish it off. I'm like, wait, really? We didn't, we don't know how any of this really wrapped up. Are they up? okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And it just now it, we really are getting into spoiler territory here. Okay, uh, but it didn't feel like good writing. Is what I'm getting at. And like, yeah, it didn't feel like a complete arc for that game. So maybe Neo Two, the world ends with Two, whatever. Like they, these characters get another spotlight, but it didn't. They didn't have a cohesive whole to really close the loop here. They have unsatisfying arcs. I, I, I think things do happen. I'm not. We're not like trying to say things don't happen. Like you know, st- stick with the game. But like, it's not satisfying. Is what. I, th- I think this cuts to the core of why I was hesitant about a sequel is because I thought the original World Ends With You actually wrapped up pretty well. It did. I thought that Neku had a complete arc. I thought everybody had a complete arc for the most part. And I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm satisfied. But then, per usual, they got really obsessed with the world building and kept building on that world and building and building with the the, the reports, the special reports that you could find from Joshua and everything. And I was like, well, it's kind of interesting at the time. But then, you know, you start getting down into these rabbit holes and deeper rabbit holes and deeper and deeper and deeper. And maybe the Neo Worlds Ends With You is a symptom of that in some ways where it becomes more about the world building than the actual characters. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's true. And I think, but I think like, there's like a solution here, right? Because, and I... The thing that I loved so much, one of the things I loved so much about The World Ends With You was that it was a complete arc for Neku. Like he was this kid who experienced growth over the course of a story. It was a story about a person. Great. Um, and and Neo, I, I think I think you're right, Kat. Like it's, it's very obsessed with its world building. And I think there's a way to do this world building that is not like this. Like the, the end of the first World Ends With You, yeah, Neku's story was done. All the, mo- most of the characters had their plots neatly wrapped up. There were a few like little bits. Um, but Shibuya's story wasn't done. Like, I mean, the Reapers game was still presumably going to keep going. Like, like mm-hmm. very, certain characters were still going to go on doing the things they were going to be doing. And so the, there was an open door for, and that's what I thought this was going to be. I thought it was going to be Rindo, Fret, and Nagi showing up in this Reapers game that has presumably changed over the course of three years and having their own story within it. And maybe, you know, we know Minamimoto comes back, like he's in all the advertising. So like, you know, kind of the he assumption. shows up in the first five minutes. Yeah, he's yeah. like right there. He's awesome. <laughs> but, but I mean, I thought that was interesting because like they, they did bring him back to life. And so I'm like, okay, well, I thought he was dead he got crushed by a pile but that, of trash that's the thing you thought it was a mystery our problem is we didn't play another day 
So like, yeah, right. it's not a mystery. Yeah, no, um, they explain all that stuff there. So that the, like they they wrapped everything up in the world ends with you with a tight little bow, and then another day was like, well, okay, what if we just slap some more shit onto this? And <laughs> that's what they did. And yeah. then Neo: The World Ends with You is a sequel to that. It's not a sequel to The World Ends with You itself, which was completely wrapped up. And I think that's where it starts airing. And this is such a Nomura thing where it's like, no, you've definitely played the ancillary materials. You've definitely played Dirge <laughs> yeah. of Cerberus. You have definitely played all of the Kingdom Hearts different versions that have come out over the years and seen every single little thing that we've added into Kingdom Hearts 2.78932. Uh, and <laughs> like he's bec- he's gotten him so inside his own head and he's become so dedicated to kind of fan service. And you're seeing that again, maybe the, with the world ends with you. It's, it's the Nomura Yoko Taro spectrum wherein mm-hmm. they both just do tons of ancillary shit, but Nomura thinks you've seen it all. Yoko Taro doesn't care. Like Yoko Taro is <laughs> like, none of it, like, yeah, some of it matters, but really none of it really matters. And Nomura's like, no, all of it matters. And I think that's what comes up when Neo is like, it's not a good starting point. You have to, you really have to have watched the anime or at least read a wiki about what an, another day is. Yeah. But I think there is a way to do this though. Like there, cause like I said, Minami Moto comes but back. But I don't want to play the another day. <laughs> no, but you shouldn't have to. There, there's a way to do this. Like there, there's a way to create this new story. And by focusing on these new characters you've introduced and giving them complete stories. And then, yeah, it's fine if Minami Moto, if like one or two guys like show up and have like kind of the, these weird like arcs that reference things that happen that like t- it's like a little bit of fan service is fine. Like there were characters that showed up and I got excited. I was like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, they would be here. Like, what are they doing now? This is cool. Like I, I walked into this game assuming that certain people from the world is with you would make some kind of cameo appearance no matter what, like like easily ex- expected that. But I think there's a huge difference between having having sort of a glimpse into the the life after the adventure of somebody um, that you, you already know and letting that just sort of be there as like a little tease, like for people who have played the first game, but not, not letting it overshadow your entire arc so that people who have never played this are very confused. Um, and, and it didn't do that. It, it doesn't do that at all. Um, it just it just kind of ditches the story that it started to tell in favor of glamorizing these characters and give and that it it should have already been done with and it's it's a bummer. I bet Rise of the Jedi fans are not yeah Rise of the Jedi fans really probably love this game. Oh God, because uh, it has that same thing. It has that Star Wars problem of you've just made the world so much smaller for some reason. Rise of Skywalker, that's a movie I'm thinking of. Like, yeah. you made the world so much smaller when you should be making it bigger. So it's like the opposite of world building in a weird way of like, you, there were different stories to tell, but for some reason you decided to just hook it back to an old story for no good reason. Yeah. But there are moments too that are really good and powerful. Like, like there are moments when characters appear for whatever reason and like, Neo has held back on like certain music tracks the entire time because it doesn't like it's saving them for these like big bombastic plot moments and yet it gets hit and you're like oh there's that nostalgia and so I I too I too am a victim of being like oh sick it's this person but so Imran when you were mentioning that it was a little like Star Wars my first thought was oh so Shibuya is basically the series is Tatooine then where it's like oh this is cool the first time uh, oh, cool! We're back, and then it makes me think. Wait a minute! Should the sequel have been set in like Kyoto or something, or Hokkaido, or basically somewhere that's not Shibuya, just to have a different vibe? Or is this 
just Nomura doing the Nomura thing. Like, look, I should, I like Shibuya. We're going to be in Shibuya, and that's how it is. I it, feel like Shibuya is. Oh, sorry, I'm not mean to talk over you, but I just feel like Shibuya is part of the world ends with you. Like, I don't know. I yeah. feel like it's right it to have there. to be. I mean, it's you could be, say the same okay. thing about like Kamaracho and uh, yeah. Yakuza. But they've oh, been to many other up. different. This is a point of contention between Imran and I. <laughs> there are many, <laughs> there are many different districts that have their own vibe and their own flavor. Yes, that 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 specific district is the quintessential Yakuza district. But there are many stories to tell. Right, and at some point Yakuza did move on because they're like, well, that was Kiryu's. Kamurocho was Kiryu's district. Uh, Ijincho was is uh, Ichiban's. So like, yes. I can I can totally understand both why they didn't move on and like why they should in the future. But like it's the law order argument of Shibuya is just kind of a character in this now. And I, if they do it again, I could, which I could very easily see them doing, then that might be a little too far. But I think for this one, it kind of makes a little bit more sense of why this one is, it, it matters to the long story they're trying to tell maybe a little too much. Okay, I feel like we've been ranting a lot about the story, but more importantly, the soundtrack really slaps, right? Yes. God oh, yeah. damn, <laughs> so good. it's so good. We were play- Imran and I are playing it like in the same apartment. I'm playing it on Switch, so I'm mostly playing a handheld. Uh, he's playing on the TV, and like, like we have like slightly different working hours, so he's playing sometimes while I'm sitting at my PC working. And there's a song called Burn in the Hand, which you probably already heard. I'm not going to sing it on this podcast because it's really weird, but it's got like these kind of like dissonant female vocals that like come in at the very beginning, and it's like, da, da, da. Yeah. It's really good. And I like literally every time it's a battle theme and like every time he starts a battle, uh, he's like, he, like it opens up and I hear it like out of the corner of my ear and I just like, I just started singing out loud. Like, like literally the whole week was just me singing Bird in the Hand in this apartment over and over and over and over again. Yeah, there, there were times where I would just leave it idling because I needed to go quickly grab a laptop and do some work or something like that. And I'd like leave the room, come back, and she's still singing like an hour into it. I'm like, all right, it, I'm, I'm glad that does not annoy you. You, you asked me a couple times if it was annoying me, and I was like, no, this is great. <laughs> I think the menu uh, theme for some reason is just really chill, yeah. and I love it so much. Though sometimes I was mad at it because I'm like, I want to keep listening to this song while I'm doing menus. Like, why are we changing music? It's time to decompress. (laughs) There's another battle theme that I I sounds like an like early 2000s like alt rock anthem, which was my music. So (laughs) I'm just like every time that comes on, I'm just like sing. And again, like again, not trying to spoil things for people, but obviously, like an RPG, there are many like epic battles late in the game, like boss battles that are very like story meaningful and impactful, and they have rockin' soundtracks to go with them. And Imran's, like, I was ahead of it. I was ahead of him in it, so I'm like trying to like hide it and like not show him. Uh-huh. So you can't like get a clue of what's going on. And I've got like my headphones on and like something, I'm going into a boss battle. I'm like, okay, and I'm just like sitting there and I'm like, oh yeah, let's go. And I'm like headbanging <laughs> I'm sure it looked very stupid, but it felt so good. The music. Play this game for the music alone. Square Enix, if you're listening to this, put this shit on Spotify. Oh, my God, If you're listening to this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think we have a couple of people from Square who listen. Okay, Um, Square Enix, tell your bosses. Spotify, you put Bravely on there. Put put World Ends With You. This is good shit. They also have some covers from, like, the previous game, and, like, most of them are good. Some of them are, like, less good than the previous one, so I'm like... You know, I kind of just wish I kind of wish they did the thing where you could choose which songs you want to listen to because, like, for the most part, it doesn't super matter, especially when you're just kind of wandering around. And it was odd to me there was no like music player for that sort of thing. But it kind of is. It's in the records menu. Yeah, you can't. That's true. You can't just go to Tower Records to buy every song of this. But like, I don't know. It's 
I guess for me, the crime was some someday was not as good as it was in the world ends with you. Like that, that was the main song for me. Like that and Call- calling is here almost completely the same, I think. But like those two songs are the songs that define that game for me. I'm I'm sorry. I was just looking at Spotify and no, the world ends with you was not on Spotify. And no, that is no. completely Enix insane. Is bad about what, Spotify. Is not, what are you well, doing? They recently started getting better. They recently yeah. started because they, they put like Octopath Traveler on there uh, near. and the, what they put near on there. And what I was hoping would happen is so when they came out with Bradley Default 2, like a week after that game came out, they put out like the Bradley Default 2 soundtrack and the Bradley Default, Default 1 soundtrack on Spotify at the same time. So Okay, this game's out now. I'll give you all a week. Put <laughs> Neo The World Ends With You and The World Ends With You on there. Put them on there. I will put them on repeat. I, will, I Spotify's pricing model is ter- terrible, but I will just listen to them on repeat constantly for the next forever, and you can get whatever one set you get off that. We're taking a road trip soon, and I, I'm now very excited about that. <laughs> music choices. You've heard uh, what I listen to. Yes, it's I miss road trips. It's Neo. Yeah. Final thoughts. It's a good game. It's like if you're a World of the Few fan, if you're a diehard fan, you don't need convincing anyway. If you're not a diehard fan, you need to read a wiki before you get into this. But it's it's an overall like good video game is probably worth your time. Yeah, I've said that I pick up the game and within like five, ten minutes, I probably know whether or not it's for me. And Neo, the world ends with you. I was like, I'm back. This is my <laughs> I'm game, back, baby. Back in Shibuya. I, I want to listen to it in my headphones. And if I, and that to me is all I need to know that I want to play through this game. Reb, final thoughts? Yeah, I, I'd echo Imran. Like, I think if you're, if you're, if you like the world ends with you, you'll like this. It, it's a roller coaster. There, there are things you won't like about it, but I think largely if you like the first game, you will like this. If you have not played the first game, I mean, you should. Like, the final mix version is on Switch. It, it is good. Like, the final it's mix not version the best the one. It's not the best one. I, yeah. I maintain that the DS version is the best, but mm. the final mix version is good. It's a good game. And I, and I, I think, it, I think the final mix version of world ends with you is better than Neo. The world is with you. And I think you should play that. And then if you really like that, then play Neo. Like it's, it's good stuff. Um, I, I think it's worth your time if you like this kind of thing. Uh, you know, it's, it's got its ups and downs, but it's worth it in the end. I think. Neo, the world ends with you. It's out now. We'll talk about it more. I'm sure on acts of the blood God, but in the meantime, got to wrap up. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Reb and Imran. Of course, go and follow them on all of the Twitters and all of their various projects. Reb and I work over at IGN, and Imran is over at Fanbyte. Follow them on Twitter. In the meantime, yeah, and also go vote on the Pantheon. I'm, we'll leave it up for an extra day after this show goes up so that people have a chance to make their voices heard. Go vote for Stardew Valley. I'm pushing you in the right direction. Here we go. But in the meantime, do the, do the democratic thing, <laughs> do the democratic thing and listen to me. All right. We'll be back next week. As always talk more about RPGs for Nadia rep, Amron and myself. Thank you so much for listening and happy adventuring. And I'm out. Later, losers.